Sup, y'all. Heads up that there's explicit language in this episode we've decided to leave uncensored. There's also a brief discussion on sexual assault and harassment. If that's not for you, you may want to skip this one. So, Ram, uh, how did you feel listening to this episode we're about to air right now? Man, I'm not gonna lie. It's crazy. I, it felt like I took a journey throughout my entire dancing career and my post-dancing career. And also things that, as someone who works, that I see on a day-to-day basis, I heard some things that made me angry, made me upset, in some ways at the accusations that were level, but also made me realize that there's a lot more to it. And honestly, I was surprised at the end. I thought this would be a lot more hostile, but in a lot of ways, it to me sounds like we're not trying to tear down and burn down the world. We just, we want to be heard. And it's a humbling experience listening to all of it end to end because I thought I would come in with the perception that I wasn't going to like it or I thought I would come in with the perception that I would learn a lot. But my perceptions changed so fluidly throughout this episode. And I learned so much in terms of not only what women go through, but some of the blind spots that I have along the way. What were some things that you felt or learned while you were editing this? Editing this was really interesting because I think there's no singular story that really encompasses what it is like to be a woman on the circuit. I have, of course, my own experiences and stories, and then everyone who I talked to for this episode has their own. But ultimately, the job in editing was to put them into one narrative, which is really tricky because it feels like a risky thing to do because these are hard conversations to have, and it's really hard to get people to buy into the fact that this is something that everyone should be talking about. The most important thing that I think I took away and that I think we can all do as people who care about this circuit is to listen to these stories of people who haven't had a chance to tell them before and to feel like they would be heard if they did so. This is the Bungada Podcast. I'm actually going to start the story in 2018 at the Bruin Bunger competition in LA. One of the teams at Bruin that year was First Class Bunger. FCB started in 2009 as a men's team, and they've been in the top tier of North American teams since their win at Berg 2013. FCB was also one of the first men's teams to put a woman on their permanent roster back in 2015. And since then, little by little, more women have joined their ranks disguised on stage in men's RD and bugs. Bruin 2018, however, was the first time that FCB put women on stage and actually dressed them as women. It was a big deal for them and for those of us watching. There were 14 men and six women. One of those women was Jemmy. Hi, my name is Jemmy. I am one of the captains of FCB now. I started dancing my freshman year and I am currently a senior. Bruin was Jemmy's freshman year. It was actually her first competition ever and she danced very well. Go watch the video, she's in green. Afterwards, she got a lot of positive feedback from her captains and she set her sights on making the roster for Bucker and the Berg that fall, one of the most important comps for FCB each season. At that point, it hadn't been decided if they would dance as a co-ed team again or go back to disguising women as men, but either way, Berg was next. I had a lot of hopes for myself and a lot of people helped me grow. And that whole summer, that was like my only goal. I, I wanted to dance at Berg. I really wanted to dance at Berg. And that was 
a goal that I thought was attainable. When November or sorry, October rolled around, they decided to go all guys. And um, it was very clear that I was part of their uh, list for options to put on stage. But Jemmy didn't make roster. The captains opted not to let her dance as a guy at either of the competitions they went to that fall. The argument that I always get is there isn't someone to match your height. There's already two pretty short dancers who really suit each other. So that's Sagar and Umar as of now. And I accepted that I wasn't on their level, but I always get that you're too small. You're not taking up enough space. I obviously I didn't go on stage and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad they didn't because they won and it was good for them. But it was really harmful to me and maybe to the other girls on the team because it was clear that I should have maybe deserved a spot, but someone else who was a freshman who had never been on the team, who had who was a decent dancer, but they decided to take a risk on him versus giving an opportunity to grow. And so every opportunity that you give to a person is a moment where they can grow and get better. And every opportunity you take away from specifically women is just hindering their further growth. So I always think about all the comps I could have went to if I was a guy. I could have danced at Berg. I could have danced at Queen City. I could have danced at Champs. So look at the guys. Look at how they're dancing. Learn how to dance. That was something I was told, especially in the beginning year and a half. Obviously, I did get the critique of, look at these specific girls, look at Monica, look at Deepika, look at how they're dancing, look at what they have to specifically do to blend in with the guys. But it was still very clear that their goal was to dance like a guy. So any time dance like a girl was brought up, it was always in a negative sense. Bruin was really interesting. Obviously, I didn't know much. I didn't know much about Bhangra. I didn't know much about the Bhangra circuit. I didn't know much about this issue of bringing girls on stage and especially for a team that was all guys where putting girls on stage becomes more of a liability than an asset so Bruin 2018 was definitely a moment where I think we tried to do it Jesus obviously said that putting the girls on stage might have not been the best option and that is a valid critique and that is something that the captain should have taken in that is something the whole team should have taken in but from there, what I had issue with was that that critique often goes to men as a idea of in order to win, we can't have girls on stage. It's just what has been associated with winning. Umar was one of Jemmy's captains that season. And what may be useful to understand here is what happened in the seasons leading up to Bruin 2018. FCB had gone at least a season or two with women dressed as men at pretty much every single competition, and they only won two competitions in that time. I know that doesn't seem like a big deal as long as they're placing, but the pressure on FCB to win is extremely high. After 2013, we never got lower than second. I, I remember Queen City 2018. When, when I was like in the room, we got the placings, I was like, I was like we'll be alright, Berg's around the corner, we'll do this. And as soon as I got home, I like almost vomited. The first time since 2013 an FCB performance has gotten third. At all those competitions leading up to Berg, judges told Umer and his co-captains that one of the things standing in the way of them winning was having the girls on stage because it was distracting. Judges almost always directed the criticism towards female dancers in the bottom half of their roster, and it was usually that the height difference between these shorter girls and the guys they were paired with 
was distracting and drew too much attention to them, especially if they weren't the strongest dancers to begin with. It got very, very annoying um, at various competitions throughout the year where it was just, she's a girl, she's sticking out, why are you putting girls on? And it, we kind of got that over and over again. A thing that we all said, we're like, dude, like, unfortunately, like, if we want to add a girl to our roster, in order to, like, not risk not placing, that girl has to be, like, top half of the roster. Like, she has to, like, be beating out the bottom half of the guys. If this sounds like a double standard, it is. Umar knows it is, and he doesn't like it. He wants to dance with his best 12 dancers, and now he's basically been told for a whole season that if he wants to win, he can't take his best 12. Because Jemmy's in his best 12, but he can't take her because she's a girl and she's shorter, and judges are probably going to latch onto that again. I don't want to, like, I don't want to say that it's that we're not complicit because we are complicit because end of the day like we could make the decision all right fuck it we're just gonna put our girls on stage but we didn't make that decision because we we put winning over that that was a very deliberate decision and a morally compromising decision in in some respects like it's a very the argument kind of goes we put girls on stage where we're risking losing and if we keep losing then nobody cares that we're putting girls on stage. By putting girls on stage and losing, it signals to the rest of the circuit, oh, putting girls on stage with guys in bugs is a bad idea. We should never do it again. And then it's just this constant like debate and cycle with and battling between like the dancers on my team, the circuit, the judges, everything, and like societal norms about Bangra. As much as I would like to sit here and say FCB made a clear mistake not letting Jemmy dance, I kind of think Umar's right. I think he's right that people cared about FCB putting girls on stage because FCB was good. I don't know if I would have felt those same shockwaves from them dancing with girls if they were some no-name loser team. It is important for them to win. I think that's something Umar and Jemmy both sit with, understanding that it's possible to be a good captain who is doing what's best for their team, and also be a captain whose decisions have made your women second-guess their value as dancers. Both of those things can be true. Every few months or so, and right before like comps and right when rosters come out, I always have this thought of where would I be if I was a man? If I was a man, I in all these situations, I would be at a higher level than I am at right now. And that's not because I would work harder because I was a guy, but because in my opinion, it would have taken me less effort to gain status, to have made it on a roster, to have been given a chance. And I feel really bad bringing it up now, but... It really tested me in terms of what am I doing on this team? Why do I want to be here? When I got rejected from multiple rosters, the question I always say to them is, if I was a foot taller, if I was a head taller and had a dick, would I have made this roster? Because I, it doesn't seem like you're doubting my dancing ability. I can always learn. I, I can learn quickly, and that's something I take pride in. I want to be able to test myself and push myself, but I don't think I've had a clear uh, opportunity to do that, especially as dancing as a guy. The one performance I really would say I was super proud of was this past Mela. Jemmy's talking about Bakai Mela 2020, where she danced with FCB in a journey dressed as a woman. I think it was because for the first time, I didn't have to worry about blending in. I, w I didn't have to worry about being the reason why my team didn't place. Obviously, FCB will, has brags about being the first team to bring up these women, but yeah, you don't really see a lot of recognition given to those women. They did a good job of blending in, for sure, and that was their sole job, to blend in. 
a team that can well, like encourage um I'm trying to think of a team that really really integrates women and that's what comes up to my head is like CMU DRP like it's just so obvious that they know how to bring their women up and they know how to let their women shine and be leaders and be the people that stick out in a set listening to Jemmy's story it's really tempting like I said to try and figure out whose fault it is right like who who can we point the finger at and say you are the reason that Jemmy didn't dance and you're to blame for it. But I think the reality is that the blame lies with the circuit at large, that these are the standards we've agreed to dance by and to judge by. And there's a lot of cases where the women are the casualties of those and it's putting FCB in a tough position and really it's putting Jemmy in an even tougher one. So the hardest part about listening, about hearing this as a former FCB captain and as a dancer is you were going to be in positions where this circuit is going to push you to do certain things. But the people that are impacted should understand what's at stake and what the problem is and oftentimes be included in whatever the solution happens to be. Even if it's not something that you feel that you're included in or a part of, you at least understand what's going on and just simply if you're a team and you care about being a team it's important that people feel included so what was interesting on that last clip is Jemmy brings up CMU and DRP you have any examples or I I don't know like I actually have someone who can answer that question much better than I can Hi, I'm Tanya Dalwar. I danced on CMU in college, danced with FCB for a couple comps, uh, danced with Capital for a comp, danced with Royal Pomona for a comp. Now I'm a little more removed from the circuit, but I've transitioned to judging, judged a couple times. I actually asked her about some of this stuff, whether she's had points in her dance career where someone else's idea of what a woman should look like on stage got in the way of her growth or performance. I personally didn't ever work with those constraints because I think our team was very like we should have all dancers represented in the best way that we can and when we can we should put women in the front for finale because we have strong dancers across the board and we should showcase that so um, thankfully I haven't been in any sort of situation where I felt like I've had to work around constraints of what people of each gender should be doing but there's still things that happen, and I hesitate to say that they're one-off experiences because I think these are just the one-off times that thoughts like this are vocalized. But um, when I first started out dancing, a guy on my team literally told me that no one watches the girls dance on stage. Like Everyone's watching their male counterparts. And so that made me feel, obviously, as someone who's like new, learning how to dance, like didn't know a lot about Bangladesh, like first starting out on the circuit, that um, was discouraging to hear. Um, but also at the same time made me be like, nah, like I'm not, like I'm going to do better, (laughs) you know? And I think, I mean, I've heard, you all hear about the things where like some guys team said like, oh, I don't want to lose to a girl's team. So that's somehow like brings your value down more than losing to a guy's team or losing to any team in general. And I think like these sorts of things are kind of out there in the air, but I've also had, I've also been on the other side of it where I've had people reach out to me from other teams saying, hey, how do you guys run your team? How do you get the guys on your team to take the women seriously? And how did you handle being a female leader? Because a lot of other teams don't necessarily have the same attention put on women or mentorship given to women. And um, 
I feel like I've been lucky to have a lot of mentors who made space for pulling up all dancers. Tanya notes a couple of things that probably contributed to her feeling like her value as a dancer didn't come into question that much. One was that CMU had enjoyed plenty of success as a co-ed team, so they'd already seen the benefits of investing in their women. The second is that she got external validation, best Jordi awards, compliments from judges, things that underscored her individual strengths as a dancer. The shift between before that and after that is also not insignificant. So I think like there's something to say about like what it takes for someone to be taken seriously, even as a dancer. But yeah, so I think a lot of my personal experiences as a leader on CMU were what made me feel a little more frustrated about, hey, like, would this have been different if I was male? It's hard to sit here and talk about those things because, I mean, just like literally in data, there are like so many factors that like play into something that you can't control for every other underlying factor. And so I feel like there's inherently some level of like being hesitant to say, oh yeah, like this experience happened because I was female. Because I, I mean, I don't think that's, that's inherently true. I think that would my experience have been different if I was male and probably less difficult if I was male yeah but I can't say like oh every single situation happened because I was female like that's not so I just want to preface with that her leadership on CMU started her sophomore year when she joined the team's exec board as assistant captain I think when I joined on there was this sentiment kind of that I was like the girl that we needed in leadership because we didn't have so many women in leadership and Um, People were excited about it, which obviously felt good, but I think that there were almost these higher expectations that were set for me because I feel like people forgot that, like, I was still young and this was literally my first leadership position ever, let alone, like, on a program team. And there was a huge learning curve to that. And I don't think that I was afforded as much um, space to make mistakes as some of the other people. And it obviously took me some time to learn how things run and, and learn how to handle situations with like poise and in the best way then moving into junior year I moved on to being captain with a co-captain who was male and a senior and I think anyone who's ever been in a position of leadership can identify with this is that it takes a certain amount of time to realize how you should be conducting yourself like even just realizing, oh, having a united front in situations like that actually really matters because people are always watching and paying attention. It got to the point where my co-captain and I would literally discuss and analyze every single thing to the point of like, how, like what angle you're doing this choreo to like how we want to announce something to the team to like how we want to run practice minute by minute to um, what you're going to say or who is perhaps being like disruptive and how you want to shut that down. Like all of those things get discussed before or after practice. My co-captain and I were on the same page about every single thing. And if we disagreed about something, it was often like a set construction thing and not a how to run the team thing. And I feel like what ended up happening, I think because the things that I was better at happened to be a little more front facing, um, I ended up getting perceived as more like, bossy or controlling or like when people thought that practice wasn't fun enough because we were like taking things too seriously that that was because of me when people don't realize that like every single decision about how we're doing things is made between co-captains even when we explicitly address this even when we flipped the script and like I was like okay honestly people are really frustrated at me then why don't you just take the lead and, and run practice even after a whole year of accepting feedback, adjusting the feedback, this, like I guess, almost like first impression 
of me being the reason that anything's not fun or the reason that things aren't going as people would hope. I feel like I just ended up getting most of the flack in this like partnership. When I've listened to Tanya, the biggest thing is I hear somebody who is a dancer that everyone looks at. Fantastic dancer, doesn't make mistakes. And when I listen to her, I'm like, Tanya is a dancer that has won many accolades for being a quote-unquote perfect dancer, um, but that doesn't translate to being a perfect captain. Shit doesn't, shit doesn't work that way. You cannot be, in some ways, expected, especially with no leadership background, to be the perfect person in leadership. And it seems like that's the expectation that was around Tanya. Um, I was, like, gaslit for a lot of my opinions, or, like, when I would say that something shouldn't be handled this way or whatever. And so there was a time where someone on exec wore an FCB shirt to a mixer where CME and FCB were competing, it wasn't like a big deal. I wasn't like mad or anything, but I was like, Hey guys, I think it's important to consider that when we're repping our team and we are the leaders of our team, I think it's really important to exude team pride in every way that you can, obviously in a respectful way. And the interesting thing is I didn't even like come up with this on my own. Like I wasn't like, this isn't something that just occurred to me magically. CMU and FCB are both based in Pittsburgh. So the teams are intimately acquainted. They have a history of sharing resources or even dancers on occasion, so the relationship is pretty friendly. But one bit of wisdom that a previous CMU captain had imparted on Danya was to make sure that her dancers understood the value of taking pride in their own team identity when competing against FCB. While they may have a good relationship back in Pittsburgh, when two highly competitive teams are at the same competition, they're going for that same first place trophy. And this team pride thing is something that one of my ex-captains actually told me. And so to me, and this is a male ex-captain, and so to me, when I was passing this on, this is like a like a validated, like official opinion passed down from someone who's experienced it, someone who's male. And yet, when I expressed this, it was met with like, oh, that's such a silly thing to care about. And it's one thing if you want to have a discussion about it, and we can talk about like what you're, what, what it is that you disagree, but just the way that people would immediately assume that my opinion was a silly opinion to have is something that was really frustrating because I would not imagine, for example, this ex-captain who told me this, I could not imagine anyone reacting that way if he would bring up the same thing because this idea literally came from him. The stuff she's talking about may sound like it could go either way. There are things that on their own aren't inherently sexist or against women, but like Banya said, if you don't see the same attitudes exuded towards the men around you, or you don't see proportionate reactions to similar behavior to the men around you, then it does make you wonder. And it sets the backdrop for when more overt things do happen, because more often than not, they do. Basically what happened is going into blowout 2017, we wanted to have a share. My co-captain had begun the conversation with this like male Punjabi looking guy on our team, um, who's also on exec and like he had just assumed that he would be doing the share. If you don't know what a share is, this is a share. It's performed at the start of a set, and it's usually someone yelling about how awesome and proud their team is and how they're about to destroy the competition. The majority of the time, these are done by guys. At some point, I realized that this assumption was being made and like we were like making progress on like doing the share without ever having talked about who would be doing it. Like it was just assumed. And I kind of had to like stop this conversation for a second and be like, hey guys, could we perhaps consider everyone who would who can speak Punjabi and everyone who would be qualified to do this and like have a conversation? Because 
I mean, my co-captain knows me really well, and he knew that I speak Punjabi at home. Like, he knew that I would be more than capable of doing a share. And yet, he even told me afterward, like, oh, it was my bad that I honestly just assumed that the share would be done by a male. But I that assumption wasn't challenged, and I didn't even realize that that was an underlying assumption that I had until you came to me and talked to me about it. And I have to credit, like, both these guys and that they both, like, are mean well and I called both them before this to let them know that I was going to be talking about this and they're both really supportive um but I think that's the thing is that a lot of guys who mean well and are like yeah we totally support women you don't realize all the underlying assumptions that you have it's frustrating because it's hard already to I think like have this level of pressure where you have to prove yourself constantly but on top of that to have to like say like hey I should be considered for this opportunity slash we should be considering everyone who would want to try out for it for this opportunity as we do for dancers as we do for dolly's like why is this different um it's just because of this assumption that oh a share would be done by this like male Punjabi looking guy I think in recent years there's been more dissecting down these like preconceived notions that we have of what sort of person should be doing what role but that to me was just a really clear-cut example of okay i was in a position of power and yet i still wasn't considered for something that i was qualified to be considered for and then i had to i had to feel, i felt uncomfortable feeling like because this assumption was made and this person this other guy already thought that he would be doing it it obviously i feel bad being like hey i know you think you're gonna do this thing but like it almost felt like I was like taking something away that was already given to them. And I didn't want to be the person to do that. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Like I don't want to be taking something away from anyone. And that's what I felt like I was doing when it shouldn't have ever felt that way because it should have just been an opportunity that everyone was considered for in the first place. Was Danya a good captain or a bad one? I don't know. But let's assume for a second that it was actually a bad captaincy. Even then, it seems like she was shouldering more of the blame for decisions and team dynamics that were likely caused by both captains. It's not sexist or unfair to criticize her, but it is wrong to criticize her differently than her peers and to hold her to a different standard. So one of the fun facts about CMU is that Tanya is the fourth female captain, which is surprising considering CMU is a long-term co-ed team, right? Right. It's not really something that you would expect from a team like CMU and another team in a very similar position, similarly unexpectedly, is actually DRP. Um, I'm Meher. Um, I've been dancing for five years. I started on DRP when I was a freshman at UC San Diego. I ended up captaining DRP with Sej and Sirtaj my senior year. And then after that, I went on to compete at RDR with a group of mostly DRP alumni women, and then I went on to join Farishte. DRP was started in 1999. They have one of the longest legacies of any co-ed team in the States. In 2019, while Mayor was captain, they decided to have a 20-year reunion. Yeah, so like the reunion was planned by the captains from 2013. So Rohan, and he was like working with the founders who were from like 1999, and then he was working with Classics. And then also with Misaj and Sirtaj, he assembled this list of everyone he could kind of think of from the last 20 years. And then we have like this massive Facebook group of DRP alumni. When we started getting responses and, you know, looking at the people who were coming, it was like mostly guys. And so that was weird because I knew that there were like, a, I mean, it's a co-ed team. It's been a co-ed team since 2002 or 2001. And it was just kind of odd that there weren't, as you know, why weren't the women coming back? And 
when we started talking about it and like, especially like the people who decided not to come from like the last seven years who we had kind of heard of and understood who they were, the other organizers were kind of like, you know, well, there's relationship history and like, there's a little bit of like tension, just like there's like a little sense of awkwardness. And so that's maybe why these women are not coming, you know, obviously that's their like personal choice and I could understand why they wouldn't want to. But then you like, then the night of the reunion, you're like looking around and it's just so many guys. Like it was like a lot of guys. I mean, it was a lot of like, there was a lot of girls already on DRP then, but all the alumni, it was like very much a lot of guys, especially the older ones. And it was like, you know, my initial kind of reaction was like, this is so cool that we could pull this off because it is crazy that there are 20 years of dancers and like we got so many of them into a room together and like, you're looking at people who have kids now and who have come back. But then, you know, they're all kind of going up and clapping like the other guys on the back and being like, good job pulling this off. And like, you guys are awesome. And it's so cool. The saga continues, all this stuff. And I like wasn't getting that kind of congratulations or like, you know, like the handshake, the hugs or anything like that. And that sucked because I put in a lot of work, not only for the reunion, but throughout the year for the team and Sej and Sirzaj and I got up there and like talked to everyone. And so Sej was like, you know, it's so cool to see all these like women applying for RDR. And then Sirzaj was talking about Dance App because Dance App was actually started by people on DRP. And then I was talking about how much I just like really love Pungara and like the fact that it's like so formalized and like kind of treated as like a real art form on DRP. And then afterwards, someone came up to me and was like, Mehar, I thought you were gonna cry during your speech like one of these guys. And I was like, I was not even close to tears. Like, I don't know why you thought that. Like, I was like very, it was just so bizarre. And like, that was like the, pretty much like the only comment I got on my speech. And then like, you know, again, people were like clapping and like very, very nice, like the other guys. And I just felt excluded, which sucked because I was a captain on DRP and there were all these guys there who were like really excited about like DRP who had not even been captain. And they were kind of centering themselves. They even had, like, all of the captains get up and, like, announce. Like, they had all the captains who were there, like, had been there, like, line up. And so you had, like, the original founders and then, like, all the captains. And, like, it was just, like, again, it was just four girls. Me, Shabreen, Rekha, and Ravi Grewal. In case you're wondering, like I was, how many women captains didn't show up to the reunion? The answer is zero. DRP only had three female captains before Mayor. That's actually it. Yeah. It's just unfortunate because we're like, it's a co-ed team and we're almost there to like getting that, like that real sense of, I guess, fairness, but it's not quite there yet. And that's also because it, it's not the same group of people every year. It's a new generation, like every, every four years. But then also you think that things would change more, but they haven't really because there is this like residual culture. DRP is like has a really strong alumni connection. And like one of the traditions that we have is that you have alumni come back for tryouts every year. My tryouts, like we had alumni from like five years before that. And it was like 75% guys, 25% women. Even at tryouts, you see these older alumni who are from like legendary years, excellent sets, already picking out and talking to guys who they know are going to make the team at tryouts before they've even made the team and at the first practice the day after you see them talking to guys they think are potential future leaders and it's not I mean again it's just like not an intentional thing I'm sure but like that has created this culture where you have these guys who have extensive connections 
to people from like five years before them or like six years before them. The result of that being you have these guys who know a lot about Bhangra and who are already experienced directly passing on all of their knowledge about set design and creation and competitions and team dynamics and like everything you could possibly think of to first year guys who've been on the team for like five minutes. And it's not to say they don't also do that a little bit with the women. Like there are like relationships there, but it's not to the same. It's not as formalized. It's not as ritualized. The net result being that you have a group of guys on DRP who receive all this knowledge and confidence from having that knowledge and mentors who they can just quickly text and be like, hey, like, what do you think about this 30 second choreo? Or what do you think about this concept or this mix? Anything like that and get good feedback from them. It's not to say like, yeah, like I could do that too, but it's not, you're not, it's just like, it's not the same. The opportunity is there for everyone, especially like Sej and Sertaj, we're always saying anyone can contribute to the set and like anyone can present their ideas. It's like ends up being the guys who come to choreo sessions or like majority guys and then like one or two girls who like feel confident in choreo. But like those guys who end up coming to the choreo sessions, even if they don't know anything about choreo, have never done it before. They just come because they already feel comfortable with this group of like older captains that they've already talked to like since tryouts. And so they'll come and they'll sit and they'll watch and kind of, you know, learn from that. But then if you have like, you know, a first year girl who like me was like really intimidated by all these older people on the team, you're less likely to come. And like I I 100% think that on DRP, like at least in my experience, there was never a bias towards preferring like the choreo that guys present over the choreo that girls present. Like I definitely don't think that was there. But it was just there was only guys presenting choreo. And that I think was a result of, you know, this relationship, this structure that like these guys created where they got really comfortable with each other. And like they kind of hand selected who was going to be, you know, the leaders. And the same thing was not happening with the younger girls. There's actually an apartment by the UC San Diego campus that a bunch of DRP guys live in every year where the lease has sort of been passed down between generations of DRP men. The apartment is a fixture for the whole team a hub for all their hangouts and memorabilia. It's cool because, you know, it's a really interesting, like, piece of DRP history because it's been around for so long. And, like, that's where, like, all of our hangouts have been and, like, whoever lives there always, like, hosts stuff. All the DRP trophies were just at this apartment. All the old DRP posters, the legendary props that we've used, they were all in this apartment. And people are really attached to it and like all the guys whenever I talk to them, they're like, oh, yeah, like Costa, like so much fun. And I'm like, also like, I mean, like, it's a guy's apartment. So like the girls never got, even if like girls like also earn the trophy, like it's the guys like trophy. There's a group chat for all the guys that have ever lived in that apartment, a way for them to stay in touch with the strongly bonded community of theirs. But as one would probably expect, those same channels of social communication are also used to communicate about the team and serve as an additional source of knowledge and connections to experienced alumni. It's also not just like, it's like the, all the guys on DRP enjoy this like, you know, kind of different status. It's like a very selected group of guys. And it's like, there's no malintent here. Like that's people who are actually friends with each other. Like they have really strong bonds. They've known each other for years. And it's honestly, it's pretty cool because it's like, it's like a cool network, but it is very, very exclusive. And it has repercussions that you're seeing over and over again where you don't see a lot of like female leadership on DRP. And then you see like these excellent, amazing, crazy good girl dancers, you know, never go on to compete again after DRP. It's not like anyone did any one thing that she could point to and say, you did this thing. And after that point onwards, I felt left out. It's more that a bunch of little things and smaller decisions were made along the way that led to this result where 
people were excluded. And I think just as easily, a lot of little decisions could have been made to make people feel more included. Yeah, I mean, you talk about people slapping each other on the backs and asking how things are going. It's simple things like that. You know, inclusion isn't just restricted to the women on your team. It's more about making sure that all voices are heard at all times. And for Mayor, it's definitely not the experience she wanted. And it didn't come and happen immediately. It's more so a thousand small things versus one big thing. Maybe the most obvious arena in which gender dynamics play out in ways that feel inherently unsafe for women is any competition after party. It's hard to know exactly how to address or handle these things when it comes to making sure your dancers, especially younger ones, feel equipped to navigate the kind of environment after parties foster. There are like, you know, moments as necessary. Like if you feel like there's a difference in expectation, I kind of like, especially for Bruin after party where I'm like, okay, like there's going to be a lot of people that you don't know. It's like really, really crowded. And there's usually a fight outside. Please stick with someone like, don't drink too much. If you drink too much, make sure you're with someone. Don't take drinks from anyone, obviously. Especially on DRP, there was like the dynamic was that like the older guys would go buy the alcohol, whether at the after party or like before when we're pre-gaming and then give it to like everyone who was younger. And like, that's fine. You know, like that's college dynamic. But, you know, you end up having a lot of girls who've never really drank before or like don't, aren't experienced at these things or have never been to a bar after party drinking a lot and then being unprepared for like for that experience and then you have like you go to an after party and like the guys kind of just like check out it's an unsafe situation and then you see like at a comp there was an older guy that I knew who did not drink at all but was buying like a ton of drinks for like this younger girl on the team and I was like this is kind of weird because like are you prepared to like keep an eye on her and make sure she's safe if you're going to give her all this alcohol because she's not an adult really yet that really freaked me out because I was like someone's gonna have to take care of her and like be there for her And is it like going to be this guy or is it going to be me or is it going to be like whoever else like at this after party full of people that we don't know. And so it just creates an unsafe situation. So there was a guy on DRP um, my sophomore year and he at a competition was he didn't dance, but he was like harassing and like assaulting girls on the team. Like he I mean, he, he like he groped me and then he he did the same thing to another girl. And then he also ended up getting into another girl's bed while she was asleep and like pretended that it was an accident and whatever. And so it was totally unacceptable. And like in the moment, I mean, all the dynamics of having that happen to you, you kind of feel like, I guess it's not that big of a deal. Like, I don't really know how to react to this. I don't know who to tell, how to talk about it. And like me and like the other girl who was groped, like ended up telling our captain, she communicated it to this guy. And he ended up just like calling the two of us and was like apologizing, but not really. Like he was kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, there was a misunderstanding this weekend. Like, yeah, I didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable, but it wasn't like, it was like a not real apology. It was just like a, oh, I'm sorry if you misunderstood something. I was like, I didn't misunderstand anything. I honestly don't remember if he was like asked to not come to practices or if he just stopped coming, but he wasn't like present on the team as much that year. And like, I guess that phone call was good enough for everyone. And then he just started coming back our junior year. What made it like better I guess in like kind of a messed up way is that like no one liked him everyone knew what happened at that point and like no one liked him no one hung out with him it was a weird like it was weird that he even came to practices because like he didn't like talk to anyone he would just come dance and then like leave it was fine for me like I didn't really feel that strongly about him being there or not because I was kind of like you're just not like doing anything you're just kind of weird and you're here but 
I think like the important fact here is that like if he was a popular member of the team or a captain or someone in an authority figure or an experienced dancer, everything would have gone down really differently. It would have just changed the dynamic a lot because I think he would still be on the team. People would hang out with him and he would be popular still. And I would just basically, my like course of action would just be not to hang out with him. You're kind of being like, okay, like, do I want to be around this guy who did this horrible thing to me? Or do I want to like have friends? on the team like or do I and like be on a roster and like be put on a roster like maybe not in this specific situation but in other situations for a lot of other girls it's probably what it came out to be and like I think like again like if he if it was this like popular guy I would have been asked to tell this story like in like a dozen different ways thankfully I, I wasn't asked to do that like it was one time I just told Shabreen and like she took it seriously and then I told like other people on the team slowly and they were kind of like yeah we heard I think because everyone kind of knew and understood that made the situation a lot better for me because it was like, okay, everyone knows this happened and like no one's refuting me and like trying to diminish my story. So it's kind of like, do I need to take that extra step of asking him to leave practice? And for me personally, like I did not feel like I had to, but I wouldn't have blamed someone if someone asked him to leave. Unfortunately, I think everyone knows that after parties can easily turn into breeding grounds for all sorts of bad behavior, harassment and assault in particular. But there's plenty of other moments where women are just trying to go about their competition weekend well before the after-party has started, or even the show, and they're made to feel uncomfortable. It happens at the Mixer, like at Legacy of Bungar 2019. The MCs, oh, I wish, like, the MCs at Lob were the most, like, the worst. When they were running Mixer, they had a cake competition. Whoever did it longer won. By the way, this... is a hick. And so I remember because it was like one guy from one team and then Viksha from um, Royal Angels, I think that that's the name, the name they were competing under. And then like the MC was like so condescending and he was like, do you know what a hick is? Like, do you know how this competition works? I remember sitting with the guys on first day and we were like laughing because I'm like, this is the most like openly mansplaining thing I've ever like ever seen. Like it was so patronizing. Then she did it and she killed it. Like it was like such a beautiful hick and like she like went way longer than the other guy and like she like won by like a landslide and like these mcs come to every west coast competition like just like specifically that behavior was really aggravating especially since there are a lot of like you know younger girls on that team and like it's kind of, it would be like it would suck for the younger girls to watch like their captain who is like this amazing dancer this powerhouse dancer get up there and be talked down to by like some mc it happens at the judges meeting like at berg 2018 so we like go to the meeting and it's like in this tiny little room backstage they were talking and they were talking and like one of the judges just stared at me the entire meeting like the whole, I think it was maybe seven minutes or 10 minutes. Unless he was addressing Saj and Saj directly, like he just stared me down. And at first I was kind of like, I don't know, like, is he about to say something to me? Like maybe like he wants to comment on like my dancing specifically. I wasn't sure, but then it just was like, it got like weirder and weirder, like as the time progressed. And then Saj and Saj both noticed, like as we left, they made comments and they were like, do you know him? Like, why was he staring at you? And I was like, I honestly don't know because I don't know him. It was very like intimidating and kind of scary and then I didn't even focus on like what the judges were saying like I don't really remember much from the meeting outside of a gender dynamic it's just weird to stare at someone for 10 minutes like just kind of rude and then within a gender dynamic like it's creepy (laughs) like it's just creepy and it's really unsettling especially like if you're you know there is like an age difference there and it's in this kind of powered dynamic because it's a judges meeting so you have judges like 
judging your set even this guy who came up to me at rdr was like oh maybe he just thought you were cute and i was like you know he can think that but within this kind of power dynamic it's like extra weird and it's extra like it just it's sexist yeah it's inappropriate it's like it's a it's a weird thing to do and like oh actually best part um he did it again at a separate competition at a different competition at vegas in 2019 and yeah this judges meeting kind of was like oh yes this guy again (laughs) like here we go it happens when you're just trying to go to your room in between practices so at Bruin last year, I got into an elevator at some point, like before the comp, and there was like a bunch of guys from like this team that was from the East Coast, and I did not know them. And then there was like a few guys from a team from the West Coast that I did know. I had seen them around. She got into the elevator, and one of the guys from this East Coast team starts asking her questions, like, what floor are you getting off on? How long are you staying after the comp? Where are you sleeping tonight? And I was, like, very, very uncomfortable because he just kept asking me all these questions. And none of it was, like, or team-related, even though I was like, wearing a big gear t-shirt. And none of the other guys in the elevator, like, tried to defuse the situation at all. Like, I was, like, visibly uncomfortable. I wasn't smiling. Like, I was, like, pressed up against the wall. Like, and they all just kind of stood there and, like, were staring around. And I was, like, you could easily defuse the situation. I don't mean to sound so cynical, but, like, if it's not a dancer, it's like a, a dumb guy in an elevator, right? But then there's like these other dancers in the elevator. And I was a dancer at this comp. And there wasn't like this like level of like, oh, let's protect each other. Let's like look out for each other. I think it really encompasses a our competition experience for a lot of women. You're not just two dancers going to compete against each other. It's, it's never just like that because you have to deal with all these like shitty dynamics and shitty like and being harassed and belittled and like have all this stuff happen. And they don't, and they also don't try to, like, equalize it for you, in situations where they easily could have. I don't know about you, I, I listen to a lot of the things as a guy about the weekend, and it feels like there's a lot of really negative things that women deal with to potentially get on stage and hopefully win a trophy. But it seems like it's not so much that people are terrible and we need to remove them for doing these things. It's, can we work towards a situation where we don't have to worry about getting groped, taking care of people who are drinking, and the consequences of that being belittled, you know, inappropriate behavior, whether it's at the elevator, at the mixer, at the judges' meeting, at comps. Can we just make sure that that doesn't happen moving forward? I think the unfortunate reality is that a lot of the guys who are some of the perpetrators of those exact things that make people the most uncomfortable are also the people that conversations like this are probably not going to reach. Those are the people whose minds we're not going to change. But that's kind of Mare's point, right? Where it's like, if you are someone who feels like this is a bad thing, if you are someone who is witnessing these things happen, we can hopefully work towards a circuit where those kinds of behaviors and people are just no longer welcome. And not only are they no longer welcome, but the people who will listen and who say they want to be part of a better circuit can step in if necessary that specific moments to make sure that if something like, if a behavior like this is being pronounced, um, we can call it out, you know, without some fear of retribution. Because that's, that's also a really big thing, too, in this circuit. On that note, I think it's important to notice that these people that are on this podcast right now are at least people who are willing to talk. They're on teams that are progressive enough where dancers feel comfortable at least addressing these things openly with us and with their teammates. There are people who I talk to for this that actually wouldn't have recorded conversations. People who could probably point to teams with track records much worse than anything we talked about on here. 
people who honestly probably could be in jail for things they've done. But that fear of retribution is what keeps us sometimes from bringing those really, truly terrible things out into the open and being able to talk about them. Yeah, and I feel the struggle is when you fear the retribution, I think everyone's got to ask the question, how far do we go to bring people to so-called justice versus balancing how do we architect a better solution for the future? I'm not saying that we can't do both. What I'm saying is people who are listening to this need to be aware that calories need to be burned to ensure that these kinds of environments don't exist moving forward. There are a few instances where I'm I'm really grateful that um, my freshman year, there were two girls that danced at Berg that year. And watching them and watching their struggles and how they had to deal with the guys was really helpful for me until RDR came around and For the first time, I was looking to better myself with the other women that I was seeing. So that was definitely something that blew my mind. I didn't expect that from RDR. Like how much you can change as a dancer by just having other women to look up to. Honestly, girls need other girls to look up to. So in this moment in time, we still have to look to a lot of the men in the circuit who have had years of experience to help us get to a level where we can be recognized and it's changing now it's completely changing now because i think the demographic on our team is changing we have a lot more girls that are interested in dancing now and uh, mela 2020 was the first time we went co-ed and there were some older guys in that roster as well so after mela uh fcb as a team had a conversation about where we're going what is this team doing are we going co-ed now Are we still going to do all guys? Are we going to even have all girls at one point again? My answer to that was, it is always in our best interest to put the best 16 dancers on stage, but the best 12 dancers. I don't care what gender they are. I think that's something that they preach, something that every team wants to preach. We're putting our best 12 and 16 on stage, but behind the scenes, no one really sees the two or three girls that are on that list of the best dancers but aren't given the opportunity to showcase that they are. When we talk about things like this in our circuit, I feel like we often feel like there's this divide between the really folk, perhaps international dance circuit that has these more traditional views, and then there's us who's more progressive and we don't have these problems in our circuit. And I think that it's really important to recognize that there is so much more overlap than you think there is, especially when it comes to, for example, like, oh, like girls shouldn't be dancing on stage. There's also another sentiment similar to that in our circuit that we don't talk about enough um, is that when I was a younger dancer, and I guess this is less pervasive now, but when I was a younger dancer, there was this sentiment that was like very widespreadly known that um, girls shouldn't do thigh slaps. I think CMU pretty much just does it anyway. We were like, whatever. But I know that other teams will have girls either like hit their knees or like graze over their thighs and not hit their thighs. And I think you have to think about, okay, like why is it, like if you dissect it, why is it that people say that girls shouldn't do thigh slaps? Is there an underlying assumption that it's somehow improper or like you shouldn't be doing this with your body, but a male, your male counterpart can? Like, I think to me, if you're going to say to me, girls shouldn't do thigh steps, you might as well say girls shouldn't dance because it has the same underlying assumptions. But at the same time, the underlying feeling that 
us putting women in the front during a part in finale is like progressive or is um I guess outside of the norm is a feeling that shouldn't be there as much and I think also like sometimes women doing certain things that they wouldn't normally do is seen as a gimmick especially I mean I myself have like done that as a captain um we had a guy Dolly come out and then toward the very end we had him swap with a girl Dolly and it was like this whoa what like this doesn't happen normally thing, <laughs> when it really shouldn't be that way. Like, I think people who are doing anything of any gender, like that should, I mean, it should just be normalized. And I think that that's one of the really great things about RDR is that any woman doing anything was just a normal part of the set. And it wasn't something that had all these extra layers to it about like, what is normal and what people normally do. But even with the share specifically, I think there's a lot to be said for that too, because I mean, I'm sure anyone who's listened to it slash like, even like when my sister listened to it, she was like, dude, like your Punjabi isn't the best year. <laughs> and I don't like to listen to it because I'm like, dude, this is like not Punjabi on my part because like I speak Punjabi at home, but it's different speaking it at a, like at a normal volume slash like talking to your parents versus when you're really nervous, you're doing it for the ever you're on stage like yelling still trying to maintain the accent there's always a part of me that's like ah damn did I ruin doing shares for females like did I are people always going to use this as an example of oh go look at this and like see that females don't necessarily do shares as well as men because there's so many examples out there of men doing things even for example when we put our female Dolly out there I know that she must have felt some level of pressure of I'm like representing all of women in this moment and I I better do well, even though it was her first time on stage. But there aren't as many opportunities for women to try something for the first time with being afforded as much space to like learn and grow and realize that without making a lot of mistakes, without like doing all these things, you're not going to have the opportunity to get better. How can you judge what a woman is supposed to do if she's never been given an opportunity to do that? It's kind of like stabbing someone in the back by saying like, oh, we'll give you this opportunity. But if you mess up in even the slightest way you'll pay for it. Whereas I think there's a lot of leverage given to men in the circuit where they can do a lot of things and still be relevant and still have a status in the circuit and still be looked up to. There is a lot to lose for women in the circuit. There's so much to lose by bringing up something, by confronting someone about not being equally treated. I have a lot to lose by just being part of this conversation. Honestly, up till maybe like a few months ago, I had a lot of fear. I still have a lot of fear about talking openly about what it's like being a woman on this team because one, I love these guys. They're awesome. They've made me, they've contributed pretty heavily to the dancer that I am today because I've, I've been given the great opportunity to look up to them and watch them and learn from them. But there's also that whole other side of there are things that are said and done that harm my growth, that harm other women's growth. Yeah, I, I definitely felt a little bit of fear for being silly, having any of these opinions, or there's not holes that can be poked in my perspective. And it's a challenge because like so much of it is subjective because you just experience these things. And like I said, there's so many factors that play into it aside from gender, but gender is an inseparable factor. 
because I think a lot of these conversations have a lot of nuance that sometimes gets stripped when we have conversations at a mass scale, that it's really important to represent how complex some of these problems can be and how much like the people who are involved in them often do really mean well. And I, I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And that's why I like also made calls to let people know about some of the conversations that I was going to be having, because at no point do I want to make anyone feel like they like intentionally did something negative to me or were seen that way. I think it's it's not about that. I think it's just about having more perspective. There's always more we can learn about what other people are experiencing and thinking and what's going on in their lives. And I think like one of the biggest things I learned as captain too was that you don't know what's going on in someone else's life. And I think I was just hoping that this would help at least some people see things from another perspective or at least hear situations where something happened that would make them challenge their assumptions or see something in a different way that they hadn't considered. Because I think that's something that we can all do as people is afford more humanity and compassion to everyone that we work with, including the women that we work with and dance with. Most girls that I have danced with have like said those words to me at some point I've said it so many times like girls and guys being like I just wish I was a dude because it just in like the context of going to a competition it would just take off like a big chunk of stress and thinking all of these thinking ahead steps that you do as like women in your life as a whole and also like within bummer competitions takes away from your like kind of level of dancing and my level of focus and like the competition aspect it's kind of like what do you want more do you want to have a fungra circuit where your like idea of fungra is like what's being put out there or do you want to have a fungra circuit where women and men are like treated equally and are able to compete equally and like have fair experiences I think that's kind of where like the conversation breaks down because you reach this point where it's like you know you get to care about aesthetics and about your athleticism and like all these things outside of a like gender dynamic whereas I have to be like okay, yeah, like, we can care about that, but I also want to dance, you know, like, you're already dancing, and you get to care about all those things, but, like, I, I want to dance, and if, like, I'm doing the best that I can, and I'm doing everything that I possibly can to meet that standard, and I still can't, maybe it's because I'm a girl, and not because I'm a bad dancer, or, like, a bad choreographer, or whatever it is. In other words, if you have women being outperformed by men in some area of the circuit, it's worth at least considering that there's an entirely separate set of challenges that they have to overcome, and men usually just don't come up against those same ones. So I just listened to a bunch of different stories stitched together. And I realized as a guy dancer and former captain that there is a lot of responsibility on a team and on a circuit like this. Everyone kind of holds a little piece of the puzzle. You know, part of me says that I'm not a part of the problem, but a part of me realizes listening to this that I am but I'm also part of the solution and I also understand that we all have to strive to be part of the solution asking individual people whether they're guys or girls to stand up and do the right thing is irresponsible if we're not all going to do it ourselves you're not going to feel comfortable unless everyone around you thinks and pays attention to the environment that you're in and makes it so that everyone can just have fun dancing. Eight minutes of dancing is just the tip of the iceberg, but it's the most important thing that everyone takes away. It's the YouTube video with lots of likes. While we might look at the video and we might draw a lot of conclusions about the circuit, I think my understanding of where we are has changed after listening to this. But I'm hopeful. I know people 
probably have a right to be angry and a right to be frustrated, but I was very pleasantly surprised by how the end of this podcast went. I think a lot of people misinterpret this conversation as something that they can't partake in because they're not bad people, but it's all about the people in the middle. It's not just about being good and being bad. It's about recognizing that there are some things that you do, there are some things that you have to take accountability for that essentially damage the women really bad. <laughs> in a sense, there's a lot of a lot of good things that the, uh, a lot of men in the circuit have done, and there are some very bad things that the men in the circuit have done, and most people recognize. And then there's a whole middle ground of prejudices and things that have happened for women that have really hindered their growth, right? Why is it that it has taken this long for a conversation like this to come up? Well, a few things, but I think it's been really huge the few times that um, any male individuals like went out of their way to make space for me in a specific situation. People who um, mentored me, like our captains, obviously on CMU, like Sid from SCV, Ranjith from Royal, who literally like runs a female team. Um, there's not necessarily a lot of guys who go out of their way to create more space for women. This last time that I was judging, I judged at West Coast Barna. And I have to say that like this experience with these two guys, ASG and I think it was Prabir, they went out of their way to like make me feel comfortable. And that was so huge for me because I can't describe to you like how much you can just breathe easier when there's like positive confirmation that someone cares about your voice. When we were deliberating and ASG said what he thought about something and then turned to me and said, what do you think? As, although I would have said it anyway, people don't realize that going out of your way to say something like that is a big deal. Even if there are a lot of guys who are like, yeah, woohoo, we support women, of course. Um, you're not going to see as much of a shift until you have everyone actively creating more space. And then I think just another thing that maybe like perhaps helpful perspective, and I don't know how many other females feel this way, but there's so much to say for how much Borna has, has given me a space where nowhere else in my life do I feel as powerful or as much as like I get to take up as much space as I want um, as I do when I'm on stage. And I think that that's part of the whole allure of the whole thing to me. And that's part of what I loved so much was having a place to be strong and powerful and take up space. And um, I think that if more guys understood that and understood how valuable it would be to make this an environment that is socially inclusive as well, that we might end up with a better circuit. And I think that that's not recognized enough because we talk about this conversation so much in terms of inclusivity, but it should be equally stressed how valuable it can be to the circuit to have more opinions feed into it and to have more female mixers and to have more creativity out there that is female-led. I think it's really important to like not take anything personally. This is not about like getting revenge on people or like canceling people or anything like that. Like it really is like trying to understand and like think critically about your actions and kind of what you let slide. You just have to think like, okay, if you really want women to be involved in the circuit in the same way that you are, how do we get there? Do we get there by listening to other guys and what they, how they think that we should get there? Or do we get there by listening to women and how they think that we should get there? Am I going to, you know, just hold the gate open and expect people to walk through? Or am I going to like stand by the gate and expect people to climb over? Or am I going to hold the gate open? Or am I going to like hold people's hand and walk them in? Like what's going to be my role here? 
And that that is a, the ultimate question because you can't make people care about these things. Like you really can't. And so to all the men listening to this, if you do care, like have those conversations with your guy friends, especially your guy friends. And, you know, ask the women in your life and like your peers in dancing how they feel about all this and ask them about their experiences. And also accept that like, you know, not everyone's gonna wanna explain everything to you. Utilize Google, I don't know. You should see me in a Thank you for listening to another episode of The Bungarda Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser, as that really helps others find the podcast. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all of them at The Bungarda Pod. If you want to know what else is going on in the podcast world, sign up for our newsletter and join our Discord server to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. There will be links to all of those in the show notes.